Welcome to the very first episode of Shielded Shorts. This is a mini series designed to deliver quick yet impactful episodes discussing self-protection. Whether you're a seasoned martial artist, a concealed carry permit holder, or simply someone wanting to feel more secure in their daily life, Shielded Shorts is for you. This is a branch off of She Shield podcast, of course, so I'm so happy you're here for more. Of course, we will still be doing our bi-weekly guest speaker uh, episodes, but this is for people that are motivated to learn a little bit more about a particular podcast or a particular topic. This episode is sponsored by Big Tech's Ordinance, your soon-to-be favorite retailer for all of your firearm needs. BTO believes in only selling high-quality gear for responsibly armed citizens, as well as providing pre- and post-sale support. BTO values firearms training and supports firearms instructors nationwide. They even pay for their staff to train with high-level instructors to ensure that when you as a consumer reach out, you are taken care of. Today, we are going to talk about what you should consider when purchasing a firearm. This is something I get countless DMs about. This is something that I'll literally just be in a conversation with someone I've just met. And, you know, if I mention that I work in the firearms industry, I always play that by ear if I feel like it's a good thing to bring up um, because, like, nowadays it's a sensitive topic. But a lot of the times, someone will say, man, you know, I I really want to purchase a firearm. Like, do you have any recommendations? And it's always such, like, a a jarring question because there's just so much that goes into it. And if you're someone right now that clicked on this episode and is like really wanting to get some guidance, then you already know how much of like a big question this is. So I'm glad you're here. There are going to be so many good points in this episode. So if you are somewhere where you can take notes, please do so. Otherwise, enjoy, listen, kick back wherever you're at. And yeah, I hope you enjoy this. If you have any topics that you want covered, you can email the email for SheShield. That's SheShieldPod at gmail.com. So picture this. You're standing in a room filled with rows of gleaming firearms, each with its own unique power and purpose. The choices seem endless. And as a first-time buyer, you are overwhelmed. The man behind the counter asks you what you're looking for, and upon answering, he presents you with 15 different pistol options. He then rambles on about optics, holsters, and ammo, and scene. So while this imagery is not intended to scare you, it's meant to illuminate the importance of doing some basic research and reflection to orient yourself before walking into guns, 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 or whatever retailer you go into. And honestly, this is an experience I've personally had. I also recently took a friend to a retailer that I like um, where I live locally. I just moved from there. But the guy behind the counter, I told him that I shoot competitively. And I wasn't even doing it to brag. He was just kind of asking me my experiences. And that was something that came up. And he got, like, so excited and started, like, bringing all of these really cool, unique handguns to the counter and just setting them down and being like, look at this one, look at this one, look at this one. It even overwhelmed me. But my friend that was with me that has never owned a firearm is looking, was looking to purchase her first firearm was like taken back. And I remember being like, shit, I shouldn't have said anything. Um, but it was kind of too late. There were already like 15 handguns just like spread out. So I tried to be, of course, I, I didn't see this as like, someone being rude. I just kind of saw it as like, this isn't why we're here. Right. So I was like, Oh, this is really cool. But 
you know, can we see X, Y, and Z firearms? So at the end of this podcast, I will give you a list of firearms that I personally think someone should look into for their first concealed carry weapon, but it is by no means an exhaustive list. So don't worry, we will get there. So firstly, you need to determine your purpose. So what is your intended use of the firearm? Is it for self-defense, concealed carry, target shooting, hunting, sports, for shits, right? From here, we can dive into topics like caliber and features. And in this episode, we are going to focus on firearms specifically for concealed carry. So if that's why you're here today, then you are in luck. Let's first, though, take a pit stop and discuss local laws and regulations. You must research and understand the firearms laws and regulations in your area. Familiarize yourself with any licensing or permit requirements, background checks, waiting periods, or restrictions on certain types of firearms. So, for example, I live in Arkansas. Um, there aren't many restrictions on firearm type. There's no magazine capacity, so there's no limit to the amount of uh, bullets that you can have in your mag. Okay. In other words, so since I live here also, it is not legally required for you to have a permit to conceal carry a handgun to be issued a permit. One must be 21 years old or active duty military or be honorably discharged veterans aged 18 or older. Arkansas has reciprocity agreements with several other states. This is important to consider if you plan to travel. The USCCA organization has a great reciprocity map. I've actually linked that in the show notes, which are the notes below the title. So if you're interested in seeing what states have reciprocity with the state you live in, check that map out. It is very user-friendly and very helpful. Not sponsored, by the way, by USCCA. Not yet. Additionally, there are prohibited locations where concealed carry is prohibited without a license. Lastly, Arkansas has stand your ground law along with the Castle Doctrine provision. If you haven't heard of this, this basically indicates that individuals have the right to use force, including deadly force, to defend themselves or others in their homes or occupied vehicles if they reasonably believe it's necessary to prevent imminent harm. If you're an Arkansas resident and you want to learn more about this, I have linked this in the show notes as well. Let's go ahead and move on to the next consideration when purchasing your first firearm. Again, we are focusing on concealed carry, but these considerations all work for any type of firearm you're wanting to purchase. You need to determine your budget for purchasing a firearm. If you're like me a couple years ago, you didn't think about that, and then you just kind of bought one and then you were just kind of like shit. <laughs> um, but really this is going to be very important for what you're able to afford. So determine your budget for purchasing a firearm and factor in additional expenses such as ammunition, accessories, and storage solutions. Remember that quality firearms can vary in price. So be prepared to invest accordingly. If someone, I like a loved one, came up to me and asked me this question, I would basically ask them how much they consider their life to be worth. It's kind of a tough thing to consider and be asked, but it kind of puts this process into perspective because not all firearms are created equally. Let's move on to the next point. You need to consider the ergonomics and fit. Fancy words, right? You probably understand that if not at least fit, right? So consider the ergonomics and fit of the firearm. It should feel comfortable and natural in your hand. The best thing you can do, I say this on all of my platforms as much as I can, visit a local firearm store or shooting range to handle different models 
to find one that suits you best. Factor in addition if you will be concealing this firearm. While theoretically you should be able to conceal any firearm, you may prefer to conceal something that fits your hand well and conceals well. For example, the Walther PDPF is like my favorite firearm ever. I even competition shoot with it. Um, And this is my favorite gun to conceal carry. A lot of the times I carry my Glock 43X because it is so like small and easy to conceal carry, especially right now with summer coming. I see that as a better fit for me and don't pay attention. There are so many idiots out there that will like make you feel guilty for wanting something easier. And they'll kind of be like, you should be able to conceal anything. And like, theoretically, yeah, like there are some awesome resources out there, holsters and like instructors out there that can help you conceal anything, but you shouldn't have to, if you don't want to, if you want to conceal something smaller then fucking do it, right? This is your journey. This is your firearm. Um, this was something I didn't really understand until I compared shooting like my Glock 43X and my Walther PDPF. Research the reliability and reputation of the firearms brand and model you're interested in. Read reviews, seek recommendations from experienced firearm owners, and consider the track record of the manufacturer. This is something that really isn't talked about a lot, but It is something that you should absolutely do. Not all brands are created equally. Luckily, I have some really great mentors in the firearms industry that have been very brutally honest about this with me. So, and of course I trust them with my life. So I trust them with this advice. But if this is something that is new to you and you don't know Glock from Walther or Taurus, go and check out the three brands' reputations. Not just those three, that's just an example. And that will help you make a more informed decision, which is ultimately what this episode is trying to help you do. So let's go ahead and move on to caliber. This is a word that is thrown a lot around a lot in the industry. It is essentially the diameter of the bore measured from land to land. And it is expressed in hundreds, 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 I can't say this word, <laughs> hundreds of an inch. Um, so like a 22 cal or a nine millimeter. And then with ammunition, the naming system indicates the cartridge dimensions. So you do need to think about what caliber you want because it will determine what handgun you purchase. You want to choose a caliber based on your intended use. If your intended use is concealed carry, some calibers for concealed carry include 22, 25 ACP, 380 auto, 9 millimeter, 40, and 45 ACP. If you just listen to those numbers and were like, what the hell? I totally understand. I myself am not super familiar with anything really past 380 and 9 millimeter and 22. So you're not alone. You know what I mean? I personally don't own firearms in that. I don't have those, like, I don't have those cartridges out in front of me to compare directly, but there are so many great resources online to show you pictures. If you just want to type in, like, literally, like, different cartridge ammo size comparison. Like you'll be able to see what I'm talking about. And those kind of go up and, um, from, from lowest to highest cartridge size. So to give you a picture of 22 super, um, a super skinny caliber, whereas a 45 ACP is kind of a thick, like a thick T H I C C caliber. So she thick, you know what I mean? 
As you compare the list, you must consider availability, price, varying profiles, grain count, and varying handgun selection. I'm not going to go into too much detail uh, concerning this, but I will give you some examples. So a 22 round has a very small profile, a low grain count, and limited selection when it comes to handgun options. But it's known for being affordable and having low recoil. I know the other day I was shadowing an instructor at the range I'm going to start teaching at soon. And someone from one of the other classes came in and was like, okay, we need to borrow one of your 22s because they're so super overwhelmed with 380. So a 22 is a really good weapon to like, I'm sorry, a good firearm to learn with, but it may not be what you want to end up carrying. So these are just some things to consider. The 380 auto and 9mm rounds have a larger profile, higher grain count, and you have a larger selection of handguns compared to the 22. And they also have quite a bit more recoil, kind of like in that story I just told, that person was having trouble managing recoil. And if you're like really new to the game, essentially all that means is when you shoot, the gun will kind of go up, angle up a little bit, and then you have to manage the force of the gun driving up from the the round being fired. That is probably like the simplest explanation you will ever hear of that. But when you're starting out, all of these things are super overwhelming. I know because we I started there, everyone pretty much starts there. Some people though forget along the way. So moving on. Safety features. This is one that many, many people ask me about because the idea of purchasing a handgun in general, is very stressful and is scary, right? So a lot of people try to kind of like gain some control of that experience by choosing a system that has an an external safety that they can manipulate just in case, just in case they need to. So you need to pay attention to the safety features on a firearm. Look for features like manual safeties, loaded chamber indicators, or trigger safeties that enhance safe handling and prevent accidental discharges, which is ultimately what most people are concerned about. Um, I think they're also referred to as negligent discharges, if you've heard of that. So for example, the Smith & Wesson EZ Shield has a thumb safety that you have to engage in order to discharge the weapon. Note that additional safety features may add time to engaging your attacker. It's not impossible to have a firearm with the safety feature by any means, but you do have to train around having that safety feature. So if you have a thumb safety, you need to make sure that when you are pulling your firearm from the holster and presenting it, that your hand is flush with the back strap of that grip so that you completely engage that safety. Otherwise, you won't be able to fire your firearm. So those are some things to consider. Personally, let me say that again. Personally, I do not have any firearms with a thumb safety. Um, most, Most of mine have a trigger safety, so they do have safety integrations, but they don't have like a switch you have to um, manipulate in order to fire. So lastly, these are some additional notes that I want to make sure I touch on 
When it comes to training and education, it's crucial to undergo proper firearms training. You want to look for certified instructors or shooting ranges that offer courses on safety, handling, and marksmanship. Obtain the necessary knowledge and skills to ensure safe and responsible firearm ownership. Ultimately, this will make you feel more comfortable owning a firearm. It will help you feel more empowered and give you the confidence through competency if you look for training. I was talking to one of the instructors where I'm going to start teaching the other day, and she was like, you know, just a lot of people, I live in Northwest Arkansas, a lot of people in Northwest Arkansas just do not train. Like, they just don't train. Um, It's really freaking scary to, like, think about how many people are walking around with firearms that they don't train with. Um, That's what will set you apart from the masses. Actually engage in training and education. Think about what your safety and your family safety is worth. And if you think about it, at least for me, that's priceless. So I don't mind dropping $300, $500, even like $1,000 on a good training course if I know that it's going to give me the skills to be a more competent concealed carrier. Next is maintenance and upkeep. Consider the maintenance requirements of the firearm. Some firearms require more frequent cleaning and maintenance than others and ensure you are comfortable with the level of care to keep your firearm in optimal condition. I remember posting a video like of Slip 2000. That's the, um, the cleaning solution I use for my firearm. I do work with them. So I I am sponsored by them in the sense that I have a code with them. So I just want to be very transparent about that. And someone very high up in the industry wrote me and was like, oh, you, you clean your firearms, lame. And I was like, and I know they were joking, but I was kind of like, fuck, like if they had seen the inside of my firearm, they would have been like, oh, you need to clean your firearm. But of course I didn't show that. I just showed the cleaning process itself kind of from like this, this type of angle view, if you're watching the video. But yeah, man, like you have to be aware of like if your firearm needs cleaning, like for competition, we shoot a lot more rounds through our firearms than the average Joe, from what I understand. So of course, we might need to clean them a little bit more often. So don't be afraid to like clean your firearm and keep it running well because you want it to work well if you need to use it. It's pretty simple. Uh, Moving on from that, not to go on too much of a tangent there. um, Actually, sorry, reverse. uh, In shadowing the class the other day, uh, the instructor said something really important. Some guns are harder to break down to clean. So if you're someone with kind of like lower grip strength, or maybe you're listening to this because you want to buy a firearm for your mom or your grandma or someone in your life who doesn't have as much grip strength, maybe a really petite partner of yours. Um, Some handguns are harder to break down. So make sure that person or yourself is familiar with how to break them down. There are countless videos on YouTube. It's okay to ask for help. It's okay to go to a range and ask for help. I've had to do that so many times. Like I have no shame when it comes to that because we we are all here to learn. Um, but yeah. Okay. Moving on storage and safety plan for proper storage and safety measures. Ensure you have a secure and approved storage location, such as a lockable safe or cabinet to prevent unauthorized access and protect your firearm from theft or accidents in the home guys. Like that is such a big deal. So in all buying a firearm is a decision that demands serious and thorough consideration. It is about safety responsibility and understanding the laws and regulations that govern firearm ownership in your area. It's about investing in training and education to ensure you handle your firearm competently. 
I hope this episode helped you on your journey to finding the perfect firearm, one that will make you feel like it is an extension of yourself and that will protect what matters most. Thank you for listening to Shielded Shorts. If you have an episode topic you would like to hear on the pod, email sheshieldpod at gmail.com or DM the SheShield Instagram at sheshieldpod. You can support the pod by downloading, subscribing, and leaving a review on the platform you are currently listening on. I listen on Spotify mostly, and it just takes like two seconds to scroll up, click on the rating, add what you think about the show, and just rate it. Right now, we're at five stars. I couldn't be more proud and grateful for you all for doing that. It really, really, really helps get the name out there. You can also join the Patreon for podcast stickers, early access discounts, and opportunities, exclusive content, and more. If you or anyone you know is a firearms owner experiencing a crisis, look into holdmyguns.org. This is an organization that will connect you with a local gun shop or FFL to store your firearm for you until you are ready to get it back. The link to access their website and to find a storage location or partner is available in the show notes. As always, with any topic discussed in these episodes, I encourage you to do your own research and review in addition to this episode. Resources with additional information to the information discussed in this episode can be found in the show notes. In the meantime, stay safe and stay vigilant. Bye.